2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. And take off 2022 with Bickley and Murata. Every now and then they'll get a personal story, but it's very, very rare that they get a glimpse into that side. Uh, but we, we do some things. The rookie shows always help. Uh, we have, you know, some coaches kind of tell their stories. We have certain players tell their stories, background, history, hopes, different things like that that, that have been good. But uh, it's been been a good camp. We keep it light um, when we're away from this, this building because it, it can wear on you. That it's... Oh, I had my I had a button push. Sorry about that. Whoa! <laughs> I couldn't, hear, couldn't hear anything for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, that was Cliff Kingsbury talking about how he uh, lightens things up during this time of training camp to keep things uh, keep things light and <laughs> not a whole lot in the personal story category. Uh, not the most interesting thing he said yesterday. I think mm-hmm. maybe the most interesting thing that Cliff Kingsbury said was based on, and we've had this discussion. I know Wolf and Luke have had this discussion a lot more than we have. What does the Cardinals offense look like in terms of evolution when Kyler Murray's the quarterback? How much more uh, under center action will we see as opposed to shotgun action? Cliff Kingsbury had this to say. Yeah, I haven't changed. Yeah, I think it's um, a, a mix of both, but you know, I'll always be predominantly shotgun if I'm calling plays. Uh, what is your reaction to that? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel a little conflicted on this because I I do respect somebody having conviction about what their uh, what their preferred philosophy and, me- and methodology is, but I also know that there's a recurring pattern of Cliff Kingsbury offenses going stale and, and getting neutralized in back ends of seasons. And, and I think to me that part of the way out of this is to be unpredictable in basic plays. And the way to do that is with quarterbacks under center play action. That's the only way you can create any kind of dis- subterfuge. That's the only way you can create any of that kind of stuff in in a game – if you're not just doing all sorts of motions and and formations and bells and whistles, and that I got news for you, that stuff doesn't work in the NFL. NFL defenses roundly laugh at that kind of stuff. You might pretty, pop, pretty boy might football, pop, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank you, pretty boy football, and and so I I think part of me says, all right, this this just might be a concession to Kyler Murray that that, that they recognize that there are going to be things we ask this kid to do, and we have asked him to do some of those things. And there are things that he wants uh, he he wants from us and that we have to give to him. And I just think this idea of playing out of the shotgun is so deeply ingrained in Kyler Murray's comfort zone that I don't think we're going to see him out of it that often. Yeah, I went back and I looked at the snap counts uh, and the formations from last week and just uh, from what I could gather uh, and this is not based on my eyeballs, but this is based on the, the game sheet from the NFL. 63 Three total plays. Cardinals were under center 15 times in that game against Cincinnati. That includes two kneel downs at the end of the oh, game. Oh, it does? Okay. Uh, but it was also predominantly... You know, they had, what, three one-yard touchdown runs in that game. All three of those came from quarterback being under center. Mm-hmm. Short yardage situations. We did see a couple of plays early on in the game with Trace McSorley, a quarterback, where he was under center. And one play in particular that, you know, Wolf on the television broadcast really raved about and says, this is the kind of action you get, the 
the kind of options you have as an offense and a quarterback when you're under center that you just don't have. No. But I, I agree with you. We talked about, look, Kyler Murray wasn't around for a lot of the, the offseason program, hasn't participated a lot in camp. To make that big of an adjustment to the offense and say, Kyler, 50% of the time you're going to be under center. I don't even think it was feasible if you had a head coach that believed that that was the way to go, which you don't have. No, that, you're exactly right. So I, I think this is, but but I will say this. So if, if you take that 15 times they were under center and you take away the kneel downs and you take uh, the gold to go situations, you might have 10 plays that they were under center. But in in watching that game, in, in reviewing it in my head, it seemed like a lot of the plays that popped came from under center. I was just going to say they were effective. They were all very, very effective. And and if they could be that effective with Trace McSorley running them, you think, how, how good could they be with Kyler Murray running them? Especially because, as you guys pointed out, McSorley is a lot more like Kyler Murray than, say, Colt McCoy is, the way he plays. So you're sort of seeing how it could work other than the size of Kyler Murray. Right. But you're seeing how a dynamic player yeah, yeah. could really make a play-action play work or something like that. Exactly. And because because as we said earlier, it, it, Colt McCoy proved to us last year that he's more athletic than a lot of people think. I, I really thought he was sort of a stone-legged veteran, you know, who knew how to run an offense. But but Colt McCoy is not going to run bootlegs with the sole imp- intent of running the football. Trace McSorley, there were plays in the first preseason game where you could tell that was that was the play. He was running the football. And, and so that's where I think there are similarities between Trace McSorley and Kyler Murray. The dual threat stuff is always right there front and center. Mm-hmm. And and so I just, it, to me, I, I, I don't know what to think about this. I, I went back and, and I kind of tried to, to engineer Cliff Kingsbury's thoughts on this. And when he came here, from the very, very beginning, he mentioned how committed he was to the shotgun. He mentioned that the Baltimore Ravens run the shotgun 100% of the time, and yet they still manage 200, 230 yards a game rushing. Typically one of the better rushing teams in the league. Right. Now, I don't know if that's systemic or if that's just a function of Lamar Jackson and his ability to just gain massive amounts of rushing yards through his toughness and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But So he's he's been firmly committed to the shotgun. But there are there are things that, that I think we've learned along the way that that you've got to you've got to indoctrinate and assimilate some NFL traditions all across your program. Some of the tried and true stuff has lasted fifty years for that reason, because they're eternal. And play action is eternal in the NFL. Faking a run and throwing a pass, it mm-hmm. it, it 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 brings the secondary up, it fools the defensive line. It's it's it works. That's why people use it. What I want to know is how many of those under center plays that were called were called by Kyler Murray. Um, so that was fourth quarter. There were a couple only. of them. I, I in watching that game, I he, he put Gorantano up under center a couple of times, if I remember. Yeah, fourth quarter, a first down play, uh, the first drive of the fourth quarter. Garantano was uh, under center, completed a pass to Yelder for two yards on the next drive. First and second down, they ran out of a, a quarterback under center, and then they threw on second down, um, and then that was it. Then the the, the kneel down. So four, what well, was it, five. Uh, that's, and, I mean, but again, it probably means nothing at but, that point of the game too. I mean, they'd put up thirty six points, and you know they're kind of calling off the dogs a little bit. I, I think. 
Yeah, no, listen, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I think that, again, we're, we're trying to extrapolate a lot of conclusions sure. from a preseason game. But at the same time, I, I think that these are the things we were looking at. And, and, and I know, listen, how many times has Wolf in the last few months expressed his desire to see this change? And, and, and there was a time when he really thought it was going to happen, that the, the kind of players the Cardinals were bringing in, um, focusing on a couple of tight ends that – I just I think there's elements there's elements of the college game that that have to get out of this program and and being fully committed to the shotgun is one of them. But again, it's it's it might be a concession to Kyler Murray. It might not be or 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 maybe that ratio is what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be, you know, one play out of five, one play out of six under center. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe you'll see a little bit more, but I still think you'll see the Cardinals as one of the top percentage shotgun teams. I think you're right. In football. And I think that'll be the case throughout Kyler Murray's career. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's Carol as the buyers.com coming up next news on NFL quarterbacks not named Deshaun Watson we'll get into all of it next it's Bickley and Murata mornings 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station Bickley and Murata hash marks We'll see. We'll talk about it next week. I'm not concerned about it right now. We're trying to practice against Tennessee and play a game. I said sometime after Tennessee, there's no definitive date for me, but we'll check on it and we'll keep in touch and we'll find out. No definitive return date for Tom Brady. Back to the Bucks. That was Todd Bowles yesterday, the head coach of the Buccaneers, talking about that. And look, there's an air of mystery around this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Buccaneers, the way they put it out there, hey, this was pre-approved. We knew this was coming. But the lack of a definitive return date, I think, has a lot of people freaking out just a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, because if it was pre-approved, then there would be a return date, right? And, and the tone of uh, the, the voices in Tampa are changing just uh, a little bit. And you re- you wonder really what's going on here. You wonder if this is if this has to do with Tom Brady's commitment to football. If, if, if he really wanted to go and play football for the Dolphins, for Sean Payton, and the moment that that plan got detonated, basically by Bruce Arians firing himself in Tampa and making it clear that if Tom Brady were going to play football, it would be for the Buccaneers, it forced Tom Brady to either quit on the spot or come back to Tampa. And he chose to come back to Tampa, and now if there's nothing external wrong around Tom Brady and people are saying this is nothing to do with his family, this is nothing to do with health situations, then you wonder if this is a commitment issue, if Tom Brady is really having second thoughts about playing football. And that because let's let's be real here. If there's nothing traumatic happening in Tom Brady's life, for him to just up and out of a training camp is so unlike him. Mm-hmm. So unlike him. Like, when Dennis Rodman left the Bulls to go to Vegas for 48 that hours. That was on brand. That was perfectly in character. <laughs> perfectly in character. <laughs> when, you, 
when he missed that game to uh, be with the NWO on Perfectly WCW. Perfectly in yes. character. Yes. This is really atypical of Tom Brady. This is a guy who 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 believes totally in the process that you you can't miss reps, much less days in training camp. So there's something here. I'm telling you, there is something here. And you said earlier in the week, Bick, that you feel like this is going to be a, a weird, wonky year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna flame out. To be honest with you, I, I, I'm not sure Tom Brady's coming back. I, this, this, uh, this is just. He has been so 100% dedicated to football because this is all he loves and he understands. This is. This, we pointed out how he broke several rules during the pandemic. Yes. Just so he could play in the offseason. So he could play in the offseason. He walked into a dude's house who it wasn't even the guy. He wasn't even. Who, Byron Leftwich. He was going to Byron Leftwich's house. He walked into the wrong house. He's <laughs> lucky that dude didn't have a 44 Magnum. It was Florida. Not everybody. Florida. Not everybody's concerned about Brady missing time. Among them, uh, Tim Hasselbeck from ESPN. Here's what I think. I think Brady will be absolutely fine. He's played a lot of football. I think he'll be ready. I'm not concerned for him at all. The thing that I would say is, uh, you know, the negative for Tampa is... Like anytime you have other players that can be around Tom, especially players that haven't played with him in the past, like it's a good thing for those players, right? You take the greatest quarterback of all time, he gets to be around young receivers or even veteran receivers that, um, you know, can kind of understand, you know, his timing, what he's expecting, that type of stuff. Um, what they can learn from that. I think that's a good point. The absence, you know, normally that that leadership, that I don't know, bravado, kind of permeates throughout the locker room, throughout the mm-hmm. throughout the huddle. It's not there right now. I, I think it's interesting. Listen, but it is starting to get a little bit uh, a little bit tenuous. It, it really is. And at Rick Stroud, who has covered the Buccaneers for about six hundred years, he's the one that reported that Tom Brady that this has nothing to do with the health of Tom Brady or his family, which which makes you wonder: is this a commitment issue? Is this um, uh, being separated from his kids and they're getting ready to go back to school and he and he and he feels the the compulsion to to give that time to him now. It's just very atypical of Tom Brady. And and if you're the and if you're the Bucks and and you're preparing without I don't know it just I, this to me has got red flags all over it in terms of what it's going to mean to Tampa this year. Yeah, in Seattle, their quarterback situation getting muddier by the day. Drew Locke was supposed to start last night against the Chicago Bears. Earlier in the week, he tested positive for COVID, so he missed a major opportunity to maybe get a leg up on that quarterback competition with Geno Smith. So Smith's pressed into duty against the Bears, uh, and he leaves the game with a knee injury. They're calling it a knee bruise, and they're kind of diminishing the severity of that energy, uh, injury. Mm-hmm. Said he could have come back in the game, but there was no need to. Um, that I don't think there's any... Other other way to say it, Bick. It's the worst quarterback situation in the league. And you saw, I think, what did the Seahawks have, like seven three and outs last night? Yeah. That Davis Mills. <laughs> and it, what's interesting about this, too, is Lewis Riddick uh, spent a couple of days at Seahawks camp, and he was just raving about what he thinks they're building. The the vibe, the defense, uh, everything but the quarterback. And, and to have something really good and to have those quarterbacks is quite something. This is also kind of a, a cautionary tale of, of you you play key guys 
guys, and again, Geno Smith's a key guy in the context of the Seahawks, but you, you play key guys too long in the in the preseason, you get bit like this. Mm-hmm. Drew Locke was out with COVID, so Geno Smith was going to play into the third quarter last night. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yeah, couldn't do it. Um, I didn't watch the game, much of the game anyway. It wasn't all that watchable. But um, judging from the social media reaction of people that were tuned into the game with the, the commentary, there was several tweets out there that were suggesting ESPN's, you know, their their comments on the broadcast had a, hey, the Seahawks were just sick of Russell Wilson flavor to them. And when we talked about Russell Wilson and the positive impact he's had so far on the Broncos camp, it's because it's new. That's a He was a decade into that run in Seattle, and, and you know, even teammates over the past few years had made those comments of, uh, Russell Wilson this, Russell Wilson that. Because he he's too demanding. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he demands too much accountability from guys, and guys are like, stop. Stop. I don't want to. I, I hear it from my coaches. I don't want to hear it from you, too. I'd still rather go into a football season with a quarterback that I'm sick of than two quarterbacks who are really nice to we'll be around but can't, we'll can't make- play a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I think uh, I think Russell Wilson is going to uh, be in the front running for MVP this year. I, I think he's going to have a profound wow. impact on Denver. But I but I do think that over the course of time, exactly what you said happens does happen. Yeah. We, we mentioned he wears yesterday, people out. very much like that kid in class who who's reminding the teacher as everyone's filing out. Don't we have homework this weekend? You forgot to give it to us. Yeah, <laughs> that kid's well, that's, upside down in a locker in that's, five seconds. But that's, but that's who Russell Wilson is. Yeah. Russell Wilson wants that work. Everybody else around him is like, give me a break, man. Yeah, that's Come on, I had plans this weekend. I was going to Vegas. So Wilson is very successful, though. It is always weird, though. And we saw this with Detroit and the Rams. When a team says, we have to upgrade at quarterback to get better. So they make a trade with another team. The, the Rams brought in Matthew Stafford. And then the Lions get Jared Goff, and then Jared Goff is their starting quarterback. The guy who the other team just said, we have to get better from. Mm-hmm. That's what Seattle's doing right now. That's exactly Denver right. was like, That's exactly Drew, right. Drew, Locke, Drew Locke is not that good. We need to upgrade. But Seattle's now starting Drew Locke. Yeah. I'm telling you, and it happened It happened here on a lesser degree with Ken Wisenhut. And, and after Kurt Warner, there was this, uh, no, we've got this. So the system is too strong. This foundation is too strong. Derek We're Anderson will be fine. Yeah. We're too small. We'll find he somebody. He takes this blank seriously. You, right. Well, <laughs> Big dropping a couple of quarterback bombs in this segment, by the way. Not sure Tom Brady's coming back. Russell Wilson, an MVP yeah, consideration. That's what I, that's what I Dang. believe. Dang. Get you on first take, man. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we'll hit the uh, big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. 
You heard Zach say it. Big stories of the day, Rush Hour Reboot, and Zach will take us through those stories. Yeah, let's begin with football coming this way on Sunday. Arizona Cardinals preseason game number two against the Baltimore Ravens. And while the Cards looked really good in their first preseason game, there's a lot of roster spots still to be claimed. And head coach Cliff Kingsbury touched on the running backs depth chart under James Conner yesterday. Yeah, still um, to be determined. All those guys have had really good camps, whether it's Daryl, Ward, Key, um, Eno, obviously we've talked about him. And then TJ has done a nice job learning the system and taking advantage of his opportunities. So uh, excited to see how it plays out the next couple weeks and um, be some tough decisions to make. So nothing is certain, not even for one of the more stacked rooms on the roster. Guys, which position group will you keep your eye on in game two of the preseason? I'm going to be looking at the cornerbacks um, for what it's worth because I think there's just a lot of fluidity. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of holes. I'm real curious to see if Christian Matthew shines again, if Josh Jackson looks like a piece. Um, that's 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 the group I'm looking at. Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson. Uh, yeah, it depends on how you're looking at it, Zach. If you look at it, looking at it from a positive, that running backs room has been fun to watch, and I think that competition's been great. On the negative, where there's concern, I think Bick's right. I think it's the cornerback position because you're just looking for one of those guys that's getting these opportunities in preseason to engender some sort of hope that they can be the guy or a guy in that mix. And uh, I'm not sure we've seen that yet. So corner's my answer as well. All right. Well, sticking with the opponents of the cards this week, the AFC North has been atop the headlines since last postseason. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson are still working on contract negotiations. I wonder how that feels. The Bengals are coming off a Super Bowl appearance against the Rams. The Steelers begin the first season since 2003 without Ben Roethlisberger and the Browns. Well, the Browns will be without Deshaun Watson for the first 11 games this season due to multiple cases and accusations of sexual harassment against the quarterback. But in case you forgot, I'll let uh, Browns owner Jimmy Haslam remind you. It's important to remember Deshaun is 26 years old, okay, and is a high-level NFL quarterback. Thanks for adding more fire to the, the flame there, Jimmy. Anyways, my question to both of you is to rank how the AFC North will finish this season. Give me how each team will finish in the division. Ooh. Um, I think I'm going to lean Baltimore to win it. Cincinnati, two. Wow. Pittsburgh, three. Cleveland, four. I don't feel comfortable saying Cleveland's four because that. I mean, we talked earlier about how loaded that roster is, but somebody's got to come in last place. Baltimore is going to be uh, the wild card in this because I don't know what Deshaun. Or I'm sorry, what Lamar Jackson is willing to do if the the contract doesn't get done by week one. I really don't. So that's a, a, and there's a lot of optimism coming out of Pittsburgh from this rookie quarterback to this rookie wide receiver. And and then you've got Cincinnati, which merely got to the Super Bowl last year. And and I think you're right about Cleveland. They're the last place team because of the Deshaun Watson yeah, stuff. They have eleven games to overcome there. I, I think you got the order right. I think it's Baltimore, if with the caveat of Lamar Jackson, 
followed by Cincinnati, followed by Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I don't think uh, Baltimore is going to have every running back injured like they did last year. Right. By the way, that Pittsburgh thing is interesting. We could be talking a lot about the picket to Pickens combination. Yeah. Well, that listen, it, and again, for for a young quarterback to flash in the preseason, you kind of roll your eyes at that because they're not they're not facing anything. They're not facing adjustments. They're not facing deception. They're not facing you know all sorts of coverages. But that wide receiver, you can tell that kid's legit. Yeah. Speaking of young quarterbacks, let's go to college football now. After Jaden Daniels announced he was transferring to LSU back in March, there's a lot of questions as to who would fill the quarterback spot for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Well, yesterday, after lift, listing team captains, head coach Herm Edwards named Emory Jones as the new starter who transferred from Florida back in May. Here's Edwards on why he picked Jones over the others. He can move the team in a bunch of ways. You guys are watching practice. He can make some unannounced plays. I think when you deal with quarterbacks, that's the thing you worry about. The play that's not scripted. You know, he can get off script and go make a play. Now that ASU is running with Jones, a quarterback with four years of experience at the college level, do you guys believe Emory Jones can lead the Sun Devils to a bowl game in 2022? Uh, uh, no, but but I will say this. I, I do think that it's important. I've always believed this, that even if you don't fully believe it, you've got to express belief in a quarterback to create some momentum for the team. And I think it's very important for this kid coming from Florida to, to kind of get this proclamation right here. Now, I'm, I'm curious. He's got great size. He's 6'2", yep. 210. And I, I'm curious to see what he does with this, but... I'm going to tap the brakes on a bowl game appearance. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that'll be enough. And from everything I've read, I didn't watch a ton of Florida football last year. But, um, you know, reading the comments from Emory Jones' teammates about how he conducts himself. He came in behind the eight ball and joined the program in May. So he missed, you know, all, this, all of spring practice. So for uh, – and I also gauged the reaction of Florida fans. There was a, uh, an article on the uh, at The Athletic and a lot of Florida fans chimed in on, hey, this guy gave us everything he had. Love Emory Jones. Love the way he handles himself. He's turnover prone. You know, mm-hmm. does he have a, enough receivers to throw the ball to? Uh, that seems to be a concern too. I'm leaning towards no being the answer to this question. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> let's wrap up with some baseball and some really good baseball from the D-backs. Zach Gallen, who will join Dan and Vince at 8:30, pitched a tremendous game yesterday. The strikeouts were just racking up against the Giants. And the one-two. Belt tries to bunt it, and it goes foul, and Belt is out. Why, why, why? I have no idea, but thank you very much. A dozen strikeouts for Gallon. Not only has Gallon looked impressive recently, reigning NL Pitcher of the Month Merrill Kelly is also pitching lights out. He threw seven scoreless against the same Giants on Tuesday. Pending any roster changes, who do you expect to be the opening day starter in 2023? Is it Gallon, Kelly, or your 2022 opening day starter, Madison Bumgarner? Well, Bumgarner started the last three. Yeah. And I think if Gallon had been healthy... Uh, the plan was for him to be the guy. So Zach Allen is my answer. At yeah, some point, too. he's got to be the unequivocal ace. I am so glad you played that clip as well, because that was one of the most amazing shows of respect I have ever seen in my life. 
to if if you're Brandon Belt, there's runners on second and third, two strikes, two outs, and you're trying to lay down a bunt. What you're saying is, I have no confidence. I'm going to hit the next. His pitch. name is None. Brandon Belt, not Brandon Bunt. Right, right. <laughs> that but was that, the but, second time they tried it. Though they, they did it twice in the same game, which yeah. tells you just how dialed in Zach Gallen is right now. They've got with Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen. With all due respect to Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer, what team has two hotter pitchers at the moment? No, Kelly is the pitcher of the month, and he's still going well. And Gallon's numbers this month were better than Kelly's last month when he won the Incredible. award. Yeah, he's Incredible. been he's been unbelievable. But get uh, Zach Gallon, if healthy, will be the starting pitcher maybe for the next five years for the Diamondbacks. And that's right. your Rush Hour Reboot. All right. We're all rebooted. Thank you, Zach. Rush Hour Reboot's the big stories of the day every day at uh, 730. You can text your thoughts on any of it to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we continue our triple match day on our final day for Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children's. It's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Akchin Indian community. And it's coming up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Ak Chin Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station and the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Bigley and Marauder Show. Day 5 of Giveathon for Phoenix Children's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Ak Chin Indian community. It is a day to finish strong and if you haven't donated yet... Maybe it's a good thing because today is a great day to donate to help out the kids and families at Phoenix Children's because it's a triple match day all day long thanks to the Valley Hyundai dealers. Uh, so when you call and become a champion of hope for a $20 per month donation, thanks to your Valley Hyundai dealers, that becomes $60 per month. It can really add up uh, and every dollar counts in our efforts to help out Phoenix Children's during our annual give-a-thon because the uh, bottom line is kids can't wait every day. Children facing life-threatening illnesses and injuries come to Phoenix Children seeking hoping, hope and healing. And uh, that's what it's all about, yeah. is helping those kids. Yeah, and as you've pointed out a couple times this week, Vinny, there are 70-plus Phoenix Children's programs and services that are funded entirely or partially by philanthrop- philanthropy, I'm sorry, and that would be your donations. And without donor support, Phoenix Children's would not be able to offer these extensive programs that they do, services like art therapy, music therapy, animal-assisted therapy, and then the One Darn School uh, program, which allows kids to stay on top of their homework and their schoolwork and all, and not fall behind in class, which can also be a, a psychologically demoralizing thing if you feel like your your entire class of students is moving on without you. All that stuff, you hear me say that, and you go, oh, that sounds interesting, that sounds interesting. It all comes to life when you walk into Phoenix Children's, and, I, and I've told this story anecdotally before that one time when I was younger, I, I, I was in the hospital. I was a little kid. I was hospitalized for something, pneumonia. Just I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was the most dismal experience ever. Just sterile gray walls and just it, it was it, it made your skin crawl. You walk into Phoenix Children's and, and everything that I just read comes right to life. You just see colors and you and you see uh, you just see warmth and you see a lot of attention to detail. You see a lot of programs and a, a lot of thought that has been placed to the art of healing children. And and 
they're great at it. They've got the, from top to bottom, uh, from medical innovation to understanding um, disease patterns in young people to just creating a vibe that makes them feel safe and secure and, and not like this is a really scary place. They are unbelievable at that. Oh, unbelievable. You feel it right when you walk through the you door. Do. And that's, in a lot of cases, Bick, that's like half the battle. It's a scary time. Anytime mm-hmm. you go to a hospital uh, as a patient, it's never a, a fun time, but uh, making the kids comfortable, making them feel welcome. And and we've heard from a lot of the stories of hope presented by Madame e. Holmes during the week that you know kids that are patients and frequent patients sometimes look forward to going there because of how comfortable they it's feel so, and the connection they have with the staff. That is, I'm so glad you brought that up because in our, in our time at Phoenix Children's, how many young patients have we talked to who who have made friends with people who work mm-hmm. at Phoenix Children's who actually look forward to coming back to seeing the people who care for them? That blows your mind. And the other thing is, too, the proof is in the gratitude of the parents that you repeatedly hear from Phoenix Children's. Parents who are so grateful that that in their time of need, their children or their child w- was able to receive that level of care, that level of compassion, that level of understanding, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It, it that that this is why we gush over Phoenix Children's people because it's it, it's really that good. So and, how- and last segment, I ranked all. I read off all those national rankings for Phoenix Children's. That, it, that from top to bottom, they are truly elite at everything they do. And you can help by becoming a champion of hope on this triple match day, thanks to your Valley Hyundai dealers. The phone number to do that to donate six zero two nine three three four five six seven. That's six zero two nine three three four five six seven. Again, it's a triple match day, so your twenty dollars per month becomes sixty dollars per month. If you can donate more and a one time gift, a hundred. Say that becomes $300 thanks to this triple match. Again, 602 933 4567. Want to shout out some people who have donated today and taken advantage of this triple match. Santan Valley, Candace called in $200. Thank you, Candace. Kevin from Chandler, $500 becomes $1,500. You can see how it adds up on the triple match day. $300 from Jane and Mesa and Tara in Gold Canyon, $500. Join their ranks. Uh, become a champion of hope. 602-933-4567 is that phone number. Again, 602-933-4567. Or you can always text uh, to donate as well. Just text the word GIVE to 620-620. It's time for another story of hope presented by Madame E. Holmes. Katie was just a normal little kid who loved to play and loved to get special treats from Starbucks. But suddenly, she developed a super aggressive cancer tumor that turned her life and and her family's life upside down. Doctors gave Katie a 20% chance of survival, and she was transferred to Phoenix Children's and their oncology department. Katie's mom decided that in the face of such a very grave prognosis for her daughter, she was going to spend what time she had left with her in the best way she could. And thanks to the staff at PCH. This is Katie's story. Katie, what was so unusual about Katie was uh, her, I guess, different... Um, it was like she knew knew this was coming or it felt like she was prepared. She'd come home on a Friday from school and told her mom that she couldn't pee. 
took her to a, another local hospital and they were able to catheter and get her cleaned out and said didn't know what was happening. Two o'clock in the morning, Katie comes in the bedroom and says, I got to go bad and I can't go. I had to run her down, back down to the hospital. Finally, they got her a visit to PCH that day. You know, doctor came out and he was white as a sheet and said they found a tumor. And that's when our our world started getting changed and being turned upside down. When you cry. rhabdomyosarcoma cancer 20% chance of survival pushed us across the driveway in the PCH from then on man that's uh, that was our new home along with the doctor's help just uh, carried on with life and made a lot of trips to Starbucks she got fluid in the lungs and got drained and then and her doctor came out and told us that the cancer was taking over the lungs, that it was everywhere in there, and just that she maybe had three weeks. We get out of the hospital and we're on hospice. Her mom had a talk with her and said, Katie, you know, there's this place called Ryan House. She said, no, I don't want to go. You know, I don't want you to go there either, but in these last days, I don't want to be your nurse. I just want to be your mom. This is where she passed away at, in that room, and best thing we ever did for her because, because my wife was able to just be mom. We're really thankful for the people at PCH were indebted to that hospital. Would they do anything to help? Yeah, that one, uh, just a crushing story, Katie's story. Um, and you hear it, and, and we say it during the course of the week, but yeah. not, not all these stories of hope have, have happy endings, but you heard the voice of Katie's dad there, um, you know, indebted to that hospital wow. because of what they did for his daughter while, while she was still with us. But Katie is indicative of, of some of the some of the kids. Uh, those are the types of situations that they're in, and they get the utmost in uh, top-notch care uh, at Phoenix Children's. Wow. Every every step of the way. Yeah, let's let's rally around that story. That is that is very very difficult. Triple match. Triple match. Triple match. Now is the best time to call 602-933-4567 to donate to PCH. Triple your donation now. It's the Giveathon Triple, Triple Match. 
All day long is a triple match day thanks to your Valley Hyundai dealers. And yeah, if you were moved by Katie's story as we were, uh, now is a great time to become a champion of hope. Give us a call right now at 602-933-4567. That's where our volunteers are standing by in the Desert Financial Phone Bank. Uh, And you can become a champion of hope for just $20 per month. Make it count triple today. If you've waited all week long and wanted to donate, now is a great time to pick up the phone and call 602-933-4567. Because just like that, your $20 per month becomes $60 a month. Your one-time gift of $500 becomes $1,500 thanks to your Valley Hyundai dealers. 602-933-4567. Again, if you were moved by Katie's story, now is a great time to pick up the uh, phone and call. Become a champion of hope. When you do that as well, a teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name. And you'll receive your choice of a kid's pass at Wildlife World Zoo or a cobblestone car wash. There goes the train, Teddy Bear Express, delivering those teddy bears to the kids at PCH. More than 350 patients just today at Phoenix Children's. Become a champion of hope, 602-933-4567, on this triple match day, thanks to your Valley Hyundai dealers. We continue Give a Thought for Phoenix Children's. It's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Ak-Chin Indian Community.